Father, is in moments like this where the world is shaken by the reality of this enemy of mankind called death. And Father, I know that before me, a young church, a young congregation, death is always happening all around us. But there are moments in our culture, in our times, where you allow for us to see death for what it is when one in the prime of his life, his life is snuffed out and no amount of money, workout regiments in the morning, of anything can stop that enemy. But you have given us a message and we are calling it God's message to the whole world. Father, I pray right now under the sound of my voice that you would come Holy Spirit and empower me to speak to this young church here in Fairfield. We're in a city, Lord, where death is constant. In fact, just early this week, a very well-known football player, many known around this area, life was taken tragically and the beat goes on. There are rest in peace signs all over the social stratosphere, from Instagram to Twitter. And Father, the reality is we really don't know what it means. We have no idea of the wrath of God that you talk about from your holy apostle Paul that's being revealed from all heaven. But you've sent us here as a church to, to be a voice that's crying out in the wilderness to the young people, Lord God, who thinks death is something that's to be mocked, to be laughed at, while they're not in good standing with you. In fact, they don't have the peace of God or peace with God. They are still abiding under the wrath of God that is coming. So come Holy Spirit, in this moment as we continue on in this sermon series called God's Message to the Whole World, where today or this evening we speak of the benefits of being genuinely justified. And Lord, what a timely providential sermon. Lord, I'm feeble. My thoughts are here and there. When I got to news, my body went through a somewhat of a tremor, Lord. I grew up loving sports, and I know being 53 years old, I can't remember a time when I was growing up, other than Ben, um, Ben Bias, I can't think of his name, Lynn Bias, when he died suddenly after being drafted by the Celtics, one of Kobe Bryant's um, character and, and fame has not died in a long time in the sports world like this. So Lord Jesus, you know our church, you know the hearts that are here. Speak now, grant your word and truth by your spirit. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, I wanna get right into it, so please stand with me. And I'm just gonna read the first one. I know I have one through 11, but just for the sake of time, I'm only gonna really deal with one verse here tonight. And am I on? It's, it's, okay, huh? It's on. I just, I, I didn't feel like I was. Testing, testing one, here we go. 
So we're going to um, get right into it. So Romans five. Here we go. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was giving to us. This is the word of God. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. God's message to the whole world. It is a message that never gets old. It never gets cold. Though some of the preachers who may hurl it get cold, but God never gets cold. He's always hot and ready to give us his word. This message that God has given to the whole world, it never changes with the times. It's the same message for every, every generation. If you are of a hip hop, millennial, action, generation X, I don't know, I can't keep it with all that Y's and E's and Z's. God's message is the same. Doesn't matter 100 years from now, I'm gone, I'm over the, looking over the heavenly banks. Don't start preaching a new message. Whoever is standing in this pulpit or across the street, you hold to the word of God. It never changes. It's always the same. It speaks to all cultures, to all people groups, the poor, the rich, the middle class, the educated, the non-educated, the morally professing good people. And the morally professing bad people. This message is for all. And so you know why this message from God speaks to all people? You know why it is? No matter the time and generation in which we live. Because deep down in our souls here tonight, all of us, we long for a transcendent hope. Something that's beyond us. Something that's outside of us, something that is meaningful, something that has some concrete in it. We long for it. We long for a hope that that doesn't disappoint. We long for that. A hope that addresses the essence of our humanity, that speaks to why we exist and why we are here. This message from God speaks to that insatiable longing of hope that all of us have. We have it. It's in you. We have this longing. I use the word here insatiable, meaning a unquenchable thirst in everything that we try to do, a job or even when we're trying to find our identity outside of Christ, it is really a longing for this hope. This transcendent hope, which Apostle Paul here in our text this evening, in verse two, 
Paul speaks to us that, that this hope is in the hope of the glory of God. It's what Apostle Paul calls it. That this hope that we're longing for, Paul says, it is the hope of the glory of God. Which we have because we have been, as Paul says in verse one, declared righteous. But here I have because we have been justified by faith, meaning we have come to believe and we put our whole confidence in our trust that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the true answer to your and I deepest longing. That he is the remedy to all of our brokenness that comes from sin. He is the hope and the deliverer that we have over as Dion was praying. He is the hope. He's the only hope that we have. And the deliverer that we have over the greatest enemy, which 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says to us, Paul calls it the last enemy, which is death. I can only imagine what Kobe Bryant's wife is going through right now. I really don't know what people who don't believe in Christ, where they go for Hope in moments like this. Um, I don't, you know, I was reading some of the tweets and some of the pastors were like, man, you know, preaching funerals like this, they're hard. But there are also moments where you can bring clarity to people in a world where there's almost 8 billion people. It's a moment where you can bring gospel clarity, you can bring understanding. And Paul is referring to this hope of glory in God's glory. And this hope is, is real. It's not abstract. Because the truth of the matter is, if we have faith in Jesus, then we've been justified. And Paul is leading us, and then now we stand in this grace, and we have hope in the glory of God. But others don't. So we might have faith in money, material things, jobs, family, pleasure. We have hope in all the things that the word of God tell us that they are passing away. It don't mean a whole lot. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Death doesn't have, it's an equal opportunity. You know, I remember watching the story of Steve Jobs. You know, he was a multi-billionaire. And, and with all the money in the world, the last enemy came knocking. And no amount of bank account zeros and numbers could stop it. Though he tried. It's a real reality. So if we have faith in Money, material things, jobs and pleasure. All of these things are passing away. And Paul says, and they cannot give us access into this grace, which we all stand and we rejoice, meaning we boast. We're able to boast in something. 
We're able to boast because we have been justified. And now we stand in the grace of God. And we now have access to this glory, this hope of glory. Which Paul is referring to here in chapter verse two. Now, this hope of glory that Paul is referring to is really speaking of the anticipation and the future sharing in God's everlasting glory. And the word glory is it's a big word. It's one of the richest concepts in all of the Bible. If you ever want to just want to study the Bible, this word glory of God is a, it's a, it's a main concept of what the Bible is trying to convey to us. The glory of God. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. This glory of God. Well, the Greek word for glory here is doxa. Doxa. Depends on how you want to say it. Meaning having the right opinion of someone in their reputation or honor. In God, it means to worship. God means to assign him his, his true worth for who he is. So as we were singing tonight, you're awesome. You're my deliverer. You're my protector. You're my provider. If you're fatherless here, Psalm 68, verse 5, we're using that text all over Fairfield from the high school to Miles College because we're in a community where there's, where there's a, a, a lot of fatherlessness. But the word of God says he's a father to the fatherless. So he's a father. These are all of the attributes that ascribe to God and, and who he is. And he, he's more than that. He's your, he's your best friend. He's, he's your best mom. He's, he's better than grandmom, big mom, and all the moms combined. He's God. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah. He's your redeemer. He's, he's, he's your own and all and through all. He's your everything. He's God. The glory of God, Paul says, we hope for. So Kobe. How do you feel about Kobe's story tonight? How did it hit you when you when you heard the news? My son Jeremiah ran in the room and he said, Dad, Kobe just died. First I thought he was joking. I could see it in his eyes and he was he was visibly emotionally something was going on and and Shocked, like most of us. I heard him go tell Sandra, and I heard him just say, no. And then I heard another no a few moments later, maybe about 30, 40, 45 minutes later, that we found out that his 13-year-old daughter was in that helicopter. Death. Now, I know I'm in a room and I got a lot of millennials and I know just early in the week, Duranian Wilson was killed. And of course, rest in peace, rest in peace, which means someone is resting in peace. And this is where we got to stop and slow it down. And we have to be very careful. We said this last week. Romans five says we are declared righteous 
by faith in Jesus. And because of that, we have peace with God. If you have been declared righteous by faith, not by osmosis. Osmosis means it just happens because you die. Now, I know that's what's in the culture, but that is not what put Romans, put Romans 5 back up because I want you to see this. Rest in peace. Therefore, since we have been declared justified, meaning we have been given Jesus righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't do any sin. He never cheated. He never stole. He never lied. He never lusted. He never got angry. He got angry, but he never got angry in sin. He obeyed God's commandments to the to the full. And therefore, he was able to be the lamb of God that was slain for our, for our sins so that we could take on his righteousness because of his perfect obedience. Therefore, we can be atoned. Our sins can be forgiven or remitted because of Jesus' faithfulness to obey the Father. We believe in that story. We put our whole heart in that story. We lean on that story. We take hope in that story. If that's you tonight, then this text is true to you. Therefore, since you have been declared, you believe. Righteous by faith, not osmosis, meaning it just happens because you just die. We have peace with God. It's not just peace because someone dies. It's only peace if they die in Christ, in God, believing the story of the gospel. So the rest in peace, we have to be careful with that. We just don't say rest in peace because it makes us feel good. Because if this is not true, Romans 5, 1, then I'm wasting my time. And all of what we're doing as the church is it's all mumble jumble. Kobe and his daughter died. And this, you know, now this is huge because this is, this is a message to the hip-hop world right now. Kobe was a, probably a hip-hop phenomenon. More than Jordan because Jordan was my generation and we were, he was hip-hop too. Jordan, you know, see I, I wore J's tonight because I said, you know, I don't have any Kobe Bryant so I wasn't a Kobe Bryant fan, you know, because he, he really was a Jordan too. That's all he was. But I don't blame him. He, he imitated Jordan good. We know. So, you know, Kobe said he's the best. and I'm going to imitate him. <laughs> so he did. So I said, God, I'm going to wear my Jordans today. So I, I already had time when he got me some Kobe's, but I don't have any. So I said, well, why should I get Kobe's? Because all it is is Jordan anyway. So <laughs> Jordan's. <laughs> so <laughs> Jordan it is. Death came. Two things about Kobe. He was what? How old was Kobe? He's pretty young. I'm 53. 
Deion said, man, that's 10 years from now. Well, eight years, nine years for him. One of the things I tell young people all the time, there is no guarantee we're going to all get to be old. There's no guarantee. His daughter was 13. There's no guarantee. This is why we preach the gospel. Because we never know when that day is coming. When death will come knocking. And people don't have that peace with God because they truly haven't put their faith in that story about the gospel, God's message to the world, that his son is the savior. This hope of glory is a future aspect what Paul is related to. It's really the whole book of Romans. And we are going to get there, but I'm going to fast forward and get to and just read some scriptures to you about what this hope of glory is it, and what is really in its totality, in its summation, what it's all about. And so the first chap verse I want to show you is from Revelation chapter 20, and it speaks to some of this um, um, what we call last days or last events, or we call it in theology, eschatology, the study of end times and how things are going to be summed up and, and all of that. And so I just want to read the scriptures to you. And just for those of you, you probably never read this before. And typically, if you go to a lot of funerals, if preachers do any due diligence, they might preach on some of this stuff. But now in these days, Preachers don't even want to preach on this because they don't want to make anybody feel bad. Because if you just read it for what it is, you can see osmosis doesn't show up in this text. So let's start. Romans, I mean, Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. John, the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation, um, um, he wrote the book and he, um, he um, um, is writing this to the, and this is the last book in the Bible. And so he's kind of giving us how things are going to how things are going to transpire and come about. And here's what he says. He said, then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence. And no place was found for them. And John says, I also saw the dead. The great. And the small, meaning the kings, the queens, the presidents, the pharaohs, the gangbangers, the leaders, everybody, great and small, poor in between, those who land on the corners, those who, who, are, who are the poorest of the poor. That's everybody, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. And another book was open which is the book of life. What's that book all about? The book of life. Those who have been declared righteous by faith, by believing in Jesus. The book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by which, by what was written in the books. 
this is what we talk about, you know, I want to get in all of that, but just read it for now and move on from here. But you can just, it makes sense for itself. And then the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death, I want you to see that. And death and Hades, which means hell, gave up the dead that were in them. And each one was judged according to their works. You see the, the seriousness about life and what you do and what you don't do? Remember my sermon three weeks ago, redeeming the time, taking advantage of the time that you and I have been given? This is what we were talking about today, praying, discipling people, giving up the time, praying for people, being serious about the walk of faith that God has allowed for you and I to have. So death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. And John says, and this is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, declared righteous by faith and have peace with God. If they didn't have that peace with God, I gotta drink some water on this one. What does it say? I want y'all to read it. What does it say? Sounds harsh, don't it? Sounds very scary. Their names were not found in the book of life. The book of life declared righteous by having faith in Jesus. Their names were, they were thrown into the lake of fire. Why are we going around putting rest on peace, rest in peace, whatever it is? Because we don't want to quote that scripture. If you were to go on Facebook and Instagram and all that tonight and just post that one, you probably get deleted. You probably lose all your friends. <laughs> you go from a thousand to nine. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life. They were thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21 of Revelation. I want you to see this. This is serious stuff. Making Romans come alive. This declared righteous. And then Paul says, we have this hope for the longing of God's glory. His true worth, seeing God for who he is. We were made for that. We were made for, for that hope of glory. That's what we're longing for. It's what our true meaning comes from. It's from this glory, which this chapter here really explains. The, why are we here? Why do we exist? What's the meaning of all of this? Is this all that it is? John says, no. We were made for God. We were made for the, the be to, to share in the future glory with God. So this is why when I talk about next week, why we endure, why we suffer, why we endure afflictions, because we know what's ahead. We know what's coming. And this is what's coming for those who are enduring, those who, are, who understand that this life that we're living is not all that it is. Why? John says, then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, which the one has become corrupted, is groaning. It's got sin everywhere. John says it's going, it's passing away. And the sea was no more. We don't need any more seas. And I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. John said, I saw it coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for a husband. For those of you, why are we talking about marriage so much? You see it in the text. We're the bride of Christ. Marriage speaks to this reality. So he, John says, I see the bride that's adorned. We're decked out for her husband. Who's the husband? Jesus. He is the one that we are saving ourselves for. That's why we fight the lust of the world. We only want to be faithful to Jesus. We don't want to commit adultery on Jesus. We don't want no one else to have our hearts but Jesus. No, Lord, I don't want to commit adultery. I only want you. I don't want to commit adultery with money, with material things, with sports, or with anything. I only want Jesus. John says, and then I heard a loud voice from the throne. You see, y'all think I'm loud. <laughs> I asked God, God, why do I speak so loud? Oh, God, that's, I think that's how God going to speak. He's he loud. <laughs> I don't think God be. Can't preach no sermon like that. Now, my friend Al Becker, he speaks out there. Can nobody hear you? God is loud. The rappers are loud. They got loud speakers. Wait, God going to have some little bitty speakers, some little bold speakers? No, God got some gigantic speakers. He don't even need speakers. A loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. Get into this God's glory. It's what God wants. And he will live with them. And they, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. Man, that's a powerful text right there. You need to just know that text. God will be with us and we will be his peoples. Verse four, Dion was praying this. This is what he was praying, this verse right here. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Why? He's going to wipe it away. Because we've done a lot of crying on this side. We've lost loved ones. We've lost babies. We've lost spouses. We've lost husbands. I'm thinking about Dr. Tony Evans. I don't even want to think about the day I've already told Sandra, Sandra, there's no way I know I got to go before you. I'm not trying to be selfish. I just can't do it. I'm being serious with that. When you've been with someone for as much long as we have, man, you can just know what words they're going to say before they even say it. It's marriage is a beautiful thing. So John is telling us there will be no more tears in our eyes. And he said, and death will be no more. Death. And see, we're going to get to that in verse 12 of Romans. Death is the enemy. Kobe died today. His daughter died. This is why we know we, we, at every wedding, we can, feel, we can hear the looming of death because we know this won't last forever. 
And every birthday party, you know you're getting older that one day this will not always be. Even though we're trying to celebrate, but we know that there's something looming which creates this longing for the real hope. Because we know that this will not last. Any chance, any moment, driving up on 65 and half of the Alabamas, they cannot drive. I don't know where they get these driver's license from. From Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles both, because people cannot drive down here. I'm just being honest about that. So death is everywhere. But John says death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And he also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Keep going. To the one who conquers will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. Now look at this. I want you guys to read this very carefully. But to the cowards, to the faithless, to the detestable, to those who brag about murderers and all their sons, who they gonna kill, who they gonna shoot, NBA young boy. I know all the kids, see, see y'all, I'm making it real. See, we at the school, it's NBA young boy world. I know NBA young boy, it's all about murder. But look at what Jesus says. I want you to read it. Is he celebrating it? Good job, NBA. He says to the murderers, to sexual immoral, you just having sex, you don't want to stop, you don't care what PA says, okay. To the immoral, the sorcerers, those who are in all kinds of black magic, and in another word for sorcerers is a, is a, is a Greek word, pharmacia, which we get the word pharmacy, which is in all kinds of drugs. You just got to keep smoking weed. You just got to be out of your mind. Well, you're in that text for those sorcerers, those who like to be out of your mind all the time. You like drinking lean, whatever that is. Idolatrous. Sandra, her mom, and, no, don't break in our house. Please. I don't even want to tell this story, but when she, my, her mom, her, my mother-in-law, she's with, with Jesus, and and you know, and they were sitting on. She would go to the pharmacy and get all this stuff. I said, "Babe, what is this?" And I was reading it, codeine. I said, "Oh, that's what the rapper's talking about." So I was saying, Sandy, can I kick some? Let me just try it out. You know, I was going to get me a Sprite, pop and pour it in there. <laughs> Sandy, hey, I don't even know where it is. No it's in the house. I mean, they gave her a bunch of bottles. Don't break in our house. I don't know where it is, but I know we got a lot of lean. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say. I said, we ever go broke, this ministry thing don't going to work out. Do you know I'm the lean man? <laughs> but I hope, praise the God, when you know, I'm going to sell y'all no lean. But... But he, I said, say, where the leash? He said, you're not going to mess with that stuff. I said, we got to try it out so we can preach about it. Because <laughs> she never gave it to grandma. So bottles of it. Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Just can't stop lying. Where you been? So-and-so. <laughs> Just lying. They will share in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had 
held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me. Come and I will show you the bride. Here, here we go. The wife of the lamb. Here again, the marriage language. All right, Carl, go down to. Um, I want to show you this and I'm going to close here. Um, I want to read this whole chapter, but I'm not going to do it because of time. Um, go down to verse um, 22 and then I'm in there. Here we go. He says, I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the almighty, who is this king of glory? The Lord God, the almighty and the lamb are his temple. Verse 23, the city does not need the sun no more. This glory of God or the moon to shine on it. Because the glory of God. See, Paul is trying to tell us this hope. What are we hoping for? We know that something is wrong because death has come into this world. This is not how things should be. We shouldn't be crying all the time. Death has brought this. And so we hope for the glory of God. And this is the glory, the fulfillment. We are hoping for the city where there will need no sun no more because God is the glory. His glory illuminates it. And his lamp is the lamb. And the nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring the glory into it. And so Paul says, this hope of the glory of God. Paul says it starts with us first coming to Jesus and believing the story. He declares us righteous. We get peace with God. We get access into the grace of God for which we stand. We have access to God in his his presence. See, this is what I'm saying. You can't just come into God's presence without the, the covering of his son. That's you, that's that's. That doesn't happen. So we get access to God's glory. And in that, we begin to have this hope that we're longing for. This hope for the glory of God. Which Paul sums it up with John here in Revelation, which we see. Folks, we were made for. We need no sun. We need no moon. All we would need is Jesus. He's going to be our everything. We will see him for who he is and we will be like him. This is what we're longing for. So when you walk through the book of Romans, all the sanctification is, is becoming more and more like Jesus. And then when we get to heaven, we're just going to be, we're going to be like him. We're going to, then God's going to do a new heaven, a new earth. And, and it's all. But notice what's not there. Sinful people. Rebellious people. People who don't want Jesus in their life. They don't want to submit, their, submit to him. They don't want to come to him. But here Jesus says, I'm going to defeat death. Death is defeated. He's the last enemy. He's already defeated, but God's going to throw him away and the devil both into the lake of fire. That never goes out. Because death is evil. Death causes pain. I think about, you know, you know I'm, I'm thinking about the person who killed um, Duranyan, 25-year-old African-American male, shot him in his own mother's grandmother's house. And I'm thinking about the people who used to live there. What did they do with that? What did they do? 
we and Dion, you know, with the football players, you know, one of the questions they ask us, it says, why is there so much violence? How would you answer that? See, and what we've been doing with them is walking them through the gospel story. How did death get here? They think death is here by osmosis. They don't realize that envy, sin is what brought death. And they don't realize the sin that's in them breeds death. And this is what we're saying. Man, this is a time where God needs the children of God to get their hands to the plow and do discipleship work. Because all around us, people are dying. And we get caught up in the sports. We get caught up in the stuff that really doesn't matter. And so when a helicopter goes down, the world's shocked. Now, people die all the time. But not people like Kobe Bryant and a 13-year-old daughter. And it's shocking the world. And death is saying, I don't care how much money you have. I'm coming. I ain't here. Are you ready for it? Do you have that peace with God? For real, for real, as y'all say. Not that rest in peace just because you died. Do you really have peace with God? Do you understand the gospel story? If you don't, this is when you seek me out. You seek Chad out, Quest, Dion, any of the brothers around here, EJ, Patrick, Michael, Sandra, Karen, Bree, all of us. You seek us out. So I want to know the story. And I want my children to know it. And so with that, let me close with prayer. And then Brother Chad will come and give the benediction. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for... Lord, this is a sobering sermon. Sobering because, Lord, our hearts are aching before the Bryant family, um, Duranya and Wilson family. And just the reality, Lord, that lots and lots of people all around us, Lord, are, are lost. Their names are not in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Lord, you've given the church the Great Commission mandate to go into all the world and to make disciples, teaching people this so that they would come to know and understand that you are truly the Messiah. So, Father, I pray here tonight, Lord, that as we are grieving for the Bryant and for the Wilson family and many more, Lord, all around us, death is all around, wreaking his havoc. But Lord, you've not left us as orphans. You've not left us. You've given us the remedy. You've sent the remedy. You've sent the solution. The solution to death, to the sin problem, is in your son, Jesus. And you are calling men and women to yourself, Lord. And Lord, you're doing that in Fairfield. Young men all over this room, girlfriends, boyfriends, and all the above. Father, we pray that you would continue to smite hearts. Lord, we don't want this to be an osmosis thing. We want this to be a real salvific experience. That you make people who are dead in Christ, who are dead in their sins and trespasses, that they be made alive, born again, with the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, abiding within them. So come, Lord Jesus, save your people. 
Save us, Lord. Bring comfort to us. Lord, we don't want a fake peace. We don't want a world peace. We want the true peace, that transcendent peace. We want the true hope, not that fake hope, that transcendent hope, the hope of the glory of God, that we would be with you in that new heaven and that new earth, and that we will be among the millions and the billions of people, Lord God, worshiping you, giving you glory, worshiping you for who you are, expressing unto you your true worth, that you are awesome, that you are almighty, that you are a protector, that you are a provider, that you are a savior, that you are a redeemer, that you are God, and there is no one like you. You're holy and majestic. And because of your holiness, Father, we can't just come to you by our own righteousness. We're not good enough. We're not clean enough. We can't do enough to get holy. We have to believe in the story that you have sent and you have gave to the world. The story that you've promised when Adam and Eve sinned in that garden. You said you was going to send a savior. And 2,000 years ago, he came. And he walked. And he did miracles. And he went up to that hill. Bruised and beaten. Tired and weary. Weighted down with the sins of us and the sins of the world and those who had committed those sins. He went all the way to that cross, fell down, they took the Cyrene Simon, picked up the cross, and he kept going on. And he went, and they put nails in his hands. And Father, he didn't do any wrong. He didn't do any lying. He didn't do any stealing. He didn't do anything. And why was he doing all of that? It was because of me, because of my low downness, because of my sinfulness, that he had me in mind. So he despised, he despised the agony of the cross. He took on the shame of it so that we could be spared the wrath of God. For those who don't believe, Father. Father, this is, a, this is a riveting reality, Father. That those who don't believe, they will be thrown into the lake of fire that burns. Lord, wake us up, Lord. Wake up the young people at Mouse College, Father. That this is a real reality. That this is not a joke, Father. Wake up the young people at Mouse at, at Fairfield High School. This is not a joke, Father. But this is serious business, Father, because death is coming and it's happening all the time. And Lord, many are not saved. Many are not, don't believe, and Lord, they're going into a dismal place. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear and open our mouths that we may be able to proclaim that you are who you said you are, the son of the living God. This is my prayer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet as Brother Chad comes and gives the benediction. I'm going to make my way to the